This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Wayne Hoffman, who's a mentalist and magician. Wayne, thanks for being a guest on the show. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I, I'm curious to see what we're going to dig up here. <laughs> well, one of the main things that I found interesting was that you you moved from magician to mentalist and then you start to combine the two. But before we get into that, is magic just a case of practicing on your own, nobody around for long enough so that it looks like magic when you perform it? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, it's interesting. In in the early years when I was first starting, I spent a lot of time practicing on my own, do, doing exactly what you just said, just to get the foundation and the basics, uh, starting with sleight of hand, you know, to learn how to shuffle a deck of playing cards with one hand <laughs> is, uh, it takes time and you, you drop the cards a, a million times. Um, now I find that I get what I like to call working practice uh, because I, I've been doing it now for, I don't know, at least 25 years. You know, I, I have the foundation down. So when I do things now, uh, you know, I have enough skill set to to oftentimes just go and, and start performing it for the public, depending on what it is, of course. But it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I, I think you also have to be in front of a live audience because part of being a magician isn't just doing a physical sleight of hand trick. You, you also have to be engaging and you have to have storytelling skills and you have to be able to really uh, connect with your audience. And I think more so than just doing a technical slight, which, is, which anyone can learn through muscle memory, uh, I think your real skill is from performing in front of people and practicing with people. I say the greatest magicians in the world can go in front of an audience and entertain them without doing a single trick. <laughs> so, yeah, so a little of the, the, the back end of working on the, 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 the tricks, but then you have to go in front of an audience and do them in order to really master the craft. So doing them in front of an audience implies that you've got to make it easy for you to do but then you've almost got to perform it in a way that's entertaining. Because otherwise, if you just sort of like move your hands around, dead, 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 done, it doesn't have the same impact. And because it's easy for you to do, it's like you're going through the motions or ticking the boxes, if that makes any sense. It's almost like the performance of it makes it feel that much better. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, a performance has multiple parts to it. You have the words that you're saying uh, and then the things that you're doing with your hands. And, you know, they always say the, the hand is quicker than the eye. Uh, you're often just watching the wrong hand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in addition, uh, magic and mentalism and illusion, uh, mystery arts, if you will, is really based upon the things you say. Uh, that's what people, you know, misperceive. They believe that you have to have a technical ability when really uh, it's the words that you're saying that are developing the story in the person's mind and 
making them think the things that they're going to think. So is that almost like when they say it's a new deck of cards? It probably isn't, but people believe that it is. Where like behind the scenes, they've gone to the manufacturers and asked for a, a custom deck, and then it's all wrapped in a box, and then it turns up and you go, this will work out really well, because it looks like a brand new deck of cards, but actually... It's, it's they're in the order that I want them to be in. Yeah, it's funny because in, in, I, I think everyone's smart enough to know that you can go to a magic shop and buy a special deck of cards. When a magician says, look, in ordinary cards, I call that running without being chased. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a believer in if, if it's a normal deck of cards, just do the trick. <laughs> you know, I've, I early on when, you know, I first started, you know, I would go to a magic shop and I would uh, purchase the, the marked deck, you know, and the, 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 the tricky things that you can find in magic shops. But after, uh, you know, so many years of doing it, you start to realize once you can master illusions and tricks involving a deck, you know, that someone hands you out of nowhere, then you really start to master the craft. You know, everything that I do now is just with an unprepared pack because it's, you know, it's, you're more likely if somebody hands me a deck of playing cards and says, do a trick, uh, you know, I have to be able to do it on the spot. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. The little one-liners that magicians say like, uh, you know, this is an ordinary deck of cards. So, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, again, running without being chased. <laughs> yeah, it kind of speaks to the performing element, doesn't it? And you mentioned, like, the things that you say as well, you know, because I've been, I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of, like, essentially believing the magician, right? And then they do the trick and they go, oh, maybe they weren't telling the truth. Yeah, it's funny with magic and illusion, um, you come in knowing that you're going to be deceived. Uh, you know, there's no, uh, no pun intended, but there's no illusion about it. You know, if, if I tell you I'm going to be doing tricks, uh, I've told you up front. So then from anything from that point, you know, is, is a story that's happening in your mind. Uh, and, and that's where the real magic happens. The magic happens in your mind, not necessarily with just your eyes. It's similar to um, the whole comedy element as well, because people go to a comedy show wanting to be either made fun of or told a joke or a story that's funny. So there's an element of like you're going wanting that to happen. If you go to a magic show, you want to see something spectacular or something you didn't think was possible or something that made you question something because it happened and you didn't think that it would and things like that. So there is that element of you're going expecting something, but you also want it as well. You've got the desire there to go, oh, I want it to be good. So like you almost concede elements of it that okay might not be a real deck of cards but let's see what they can do let's see what it is first let's see how good they are yeah it, it, there's a famous saying it's it's you don't have to go into a magic show and come in believing 
uh, what you're seeing. You know, if you see a woman levitate off of the, the ground and fly through the air, you don't have to believe that she's defi- actually defying the laws of physics and gravity. But you, you, what you're doing is you're temporarily suspending your disbelief. And I think that's key. When you walk in and you just open your mind to an experience and, and open your mind to be entertained, you know, that's where you're, you're really going to gain value. And there's two different types of people in the world, you know, left brain and right brain. There's people that come in and are just open-minded and, and some people that believe that what they're seeing is real. You know, they believe that I or any other uh, mystery performer has supernatural powers. Um, then on the other side, you have the analytical skeptics. You know, these are your scientists, your engineers, and, you know, people that uh, are grounded in, 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 in math and science and just have to figure everything out. So it, it's interesting watching the reactions from, from audiences. You know, you have the people that come up to me and, and say, you're tuned in with the spirits, aren't you? You know, and other people that say, uh, I, I know what you did there with the psychological uh, group think uh, theory and, the, you know, and they, they try to break it down. But, you know, uh, again, that's what makes the world go round. <laughs> you don't have anyone actually come up to you asking if you're communing with spirits or anything, do you? Oh, yeah. I, I believe it or not. I, I hear everything. I, I've been. Uh, oh, you, you can't even imagine. I, I, I meet people from every walks of uh, every walk of life and, and, and background and belief system. You know, people believe that I uh, people have genuinely, genuinely asked me if I was an alien visiting from another planet. Uh, there are people that believe I, I uh, you know, subscribe to a particular religion. Some people believe that what I'm doing is witchcraft and the occult, you know, and, and none, none, none of those are the case, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I've had it all. Again, it's, it's funny when, when you perform for enough people, you start to realize the differences of opinions <laughs> on the world of magic and illusion and mentalism. Uh, so yeah, I, I've heard it all. So from what I understand, mentalism is learning enough about the mind and, and brain and the connection with the body and all those things so that you can use that to either encourage people to do something that you would like them to do to suggest certain ideas to them um my own understanding as well is that there are people that are more susceptible than others to things like um, suggestion and things like that what what is it <laughs> yeah and how much of that is actually true yeah, so um, a lot of people uh, don't know the difference between a magician, an illusionist, and a mentalist and, and how it all operates. In short form, a magician is somebody who knows the art of magic as a general concept, uh, doing typically things with cards and coins and uh, close-up magic uh, or stage magic, you know. But once you get into grand illusion, making human beings appear, you know, having a, a helicopter appear on stage, that's when it's labeled an illusionist, typically. It's jargon within the uh, the field. Uh, mentalism is its own art form. Uh, it's based upon psychology as its root. Uh, in simple terms, a magician will fool your eyes, but a mentalist will fool your mind. In theory, a mentalist could perform over the telephone and amaze you. 
uh, where as a magician it will often have to be in front of you and you'd have to see it. Um, both of them apply psychology as the base, uh, you know, method. You're using psychology in order to fool people's eyes uh, and you're using it in mentalism to manipulate their minds. But mentalism as a whole are things what I call seemingly psychic stunts. Uh, being able to read a person's mind and know what they're thinking, being able to predict the future uh, and have, you know, something written down in advance of what a person will say, do or think. Um, demonstrations of psychokinesis, moving an object with your mind, uh, telepathy, clairvoyance, things of that nature. And that's my specialty. You know, I spent most of my career um, slowly building my repertoire of mentalism. Um, but as a child, I didn't know what neuro-linguistic programming was. I didn't know, you know, psychological theories and, you know, uh, things of that nature. So I just gravitated to the mysterious, uh, starting with sleight of hand and magic. And then later when I studied uh, at a university, that's when I got into uh, studying the human mind. And I was trying to figure out how can I use these theories for entertainment? Uh, and now, you know, the most of my show is all based in, uh, in just mentalism and psychology. But I throw in a little bit of visual magic uh, because I, I love it, and I think people love it as well. Are people more suggestible when it comes to mentalism, or is it kind of you've got to nudge people into being able to be somewhat manipulated? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. Um, just mentalism... Uh, I think everybody overall can be entertained by it, generally speaking. Just with anything, with magic and mentalism both, it's it's very similar to chemistry. Chemical A plus chemical B will equal chemical and reaction C. You have to have one plus one to get two. Uh, with you know magic and mentalism and hypnosis you have your, your participant has to be willing they have to follow your instructions if if i tell someone here take this deck of cards and shuffle them and they say no well you know we're, we're that's like uh you're just you're <laughs> ruining the equation here yeah so of course you know if you're if you're talking about someone who's just stubborn and doesn't want to, you know, uh, work with you, that's different. But I think overall, anyone is really uh, able to be influenced or have their mind read, uh, depending on their, I guess, overall demeanor. Hypnosis is a different thing. Now, I've studied hypnosis as a tool, uh, but I don't practice as a stage hypnotist. Uh, but, but that's a little bit more uh, particular, wherein you would need uh, a particular type of mind, a t particular type of person in order for it to, to give the best results. You know, the person has to be willing and fit a certain profile and such. But yeah, with mentalism, I think everybody's fair game as long as they're, they're into it and they're, they're um, a willing participant. <laughs> it, it sounds like you got into it, like with that in mind though, like with hypnosis, Oh, you've got to be willing. You've got to be like susceptible to it. Now, mentalism, I can I can have my way with these people, and this would be really really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I just I I think mentalism as a whole, uh, I believe it does what magic used to do hundreds of years ago. 
Uh, magic, I think, has become commoditized and it's, you know, every social media platform has magicians on there doing these quick little tricks and people have become numb to it. But mentalism is still an art form that's uh, not in the forefront of people's view. So when they encounter it, I think it's a special moment. You know, I, I think the defining moment for me is I did a, a, a magic show, if you will, but I threw in one mentalism thing where I predicted someone's future. And this is going back 21 years ago, I think. And the person, a person came up to me after the show and they said, those were cool tricks and everything, you know, very dismissive. But they said, but how did you know what I was going to do? You know, how did, how did you, how did you do that one? And I thought, you know, you dismiss, I, I made a bird appear from fire, you know, a living creature came from the ether and they just dismissed it. But, you know, they, they thought I had supernatural powers because of the, the mentalism that I did. So uh, I think that's what the appeal was. It, it, it was being able to get that genuine reaction from someone that was a, that really internalized sense of wonder. Seems like it's more personal as well. There's a difference between a bird appearing out of fire, which don't get me wrong. If I saw that, <laughs> I'd be amazed. I wouldn't be like, oh, there were good tricks and everything, but I'd still be like, oh my God, he did the Phoenix move <laughs> with the bird. Amazing. And then you're able to predict someone's future. It's more of a personal thing, isn't it? Like you're, you, you, you kind of know, you almost know them better than they know themselves. Uh, and, you know, that's exactly it. You know, I get studied to know people. Everyone thinks they're unique. Everyone thinks that their mind is unique and unlike anyone else's. And I think that's my number one advantage. That that assumption, which is incorrect, uh, you know, is, is, is how I can do what I do. You know, we all have the same chemicals running through our veins. We all fall into the, you know, obviously gender and age and, you know, your demographic aside, you can put people in little boxes as we like to do as humans. But, but to, to get to your point, yes, it's extremely personal, you know, where a magician might tell you what playing card you've selected. I'm telling you the name of your first pet that you were had when uh, you had when you were a child and its name and what it looked like or personal thoughts that there's no way that I could know. So yeah, everything that I do is, is on a, uh, on a, on a much more personal scale, uh, than, than just watching an illusion. Is there anything that you could do like for us live? I mean, bit of intro about me. I did actually used to have a pet something many years ago. Um, I don't know. Is there something that you could do like on, the, sure, the podcast sure, sure. For us? Uh, uh, just clear your mind. Um, clear your mind, and I'll see if I can just pluck something out of your out of your mind here. Uh, okay, right away. This is weird. I'm seeing water, and I don't know why. Um, is there anything in the back of your mind involving water? Yes or no? Well, water. Yeah. Yeah, keep thinking. I'm seeing, for some reason, you're picturing like the, I'm seeing the ocean in your mind. Um, it's almost like I'm scuba diving. Does this make sense? 
Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I, all I keep doing. Here's what I'm picturing. I feel like in my mind you're underwater and you just keep pointing to all of the fish that you're seeing and you're counting them in your mind. Does that make any sense to you? I pictured the words in my head, number of fish. <laughs> well, there you go. That makes a lot of sense then. Yeah, it's better than I would have thought. That, that's pretty cool. So how, how do you, no, not how did you do it? That's a bit of a kind of like tell me your tricks. But my first thought would be spirits. <laughs> and I get that a lot. No, there's no no spirits whispering in my ear. You know, obviously, I can't tell you the exact method behind it. Now, everything that I do is going to have a different method as well. Uh, a lot of people ask me, how do you do it? There is no answer to that. Um, that's like asking a, a construction worker, you know, a contractor that builds homes. It's like asking him, hey, uh, what tool do you use to build a, a house? I can't answer the question. It depends on the moment. It depends on the exact job and exactly what I'm doing in that moment. So I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm over the years of doing this, I've just collected a, a, a toolbox of, of, of little mind hacks, if you will, little tools, little tricks, little uh, uh, theories. And depending on what I'm doing in, in the moment, you know, I'll pull from that toolbox and use it uh, given the context of the situation, you know, and what I'm, what it is I'm trying to accomplish and more importantly, who I'm uh, trying to accomplish it with. It's, it's a very personalized thing. You know, what I can get from you would be different than uh, someone else. So how does this compare with something like being an empath maybe, or being a very intuitive person? That's like the first part. But then the second part would be, how do you learn to trust that? Because it sounds like it'd be an easy thing to dismiss or brush off and think of something a bit more realistic, a bit more likely. So how, how do you go? Because that's pretty specific from what I thought. I thought you'd be lucky to get number of fish. <laughs> yeah. And water and fish. And I just thought, okay, that's, that's pretty specific. That's better than like the horoscopes that people send and the readings that some you know, supposed empaths or spiritual guides might even give either. So how does that all stack up from empath to intuition and then trusting what you're thinking? So yeah, great question. And and there's a blurred line. And I think media and you know, television and movies has a, a, a lot to do with it. Uh, there is a difference between a mentalist and a psychic. Now, a, a psychic is someone who claims to have supernatural powers um, that come from an outside source, and they were given especially to this person, and they have a, a, an innate ability. Now, uh, you know, I ride the line. I'm a very open-minded person. I think there's a lot about this universe that we do not understand, you know, so I, I never say uh, never, so to speak, because you never know. We thought the uh, that the sun revolved around the earth at one point, you know, um, so the earth was flat to many people and still is <laughs> to many people, you know, so there's a lot of theories about what's going on in our universe. So, so I never say never, you know, but I'm also a very skeptical person. So if somebody does come to me and tell me that they have a supernatural ability and that they're a psychic, 
you know, I take it with a grain of salt, as they say, uh, and, and I look at it with a, a kind of an analytical mind. You know, so again, psychics claim to have supernatural powers. With a mentalist, um, there's an implied skill set, meaning I'm using math, science, human behavior, probability, and, and methodology that anyone can learn. So anybody can do what I do if you just have no social life like me and practice. Uh, so, so uh, you know, but with that being said, I think any time a mentalist performs and does it professionally for a long time, you do start to get an innate uh, intuition. You get a sense like, I think this person might think of something along these lines. And that just comes from experience. You know, if, if you look at, if you're in a relationship and it, whether that's a romantic relationship or just look at your own family, it's likely if you go to dinner and, and they take out a menu and you're looking at the same menu that you're able to figure out what that person that you have this relationship with will order. You know them based upon your experience. So in the same way, I know people. Uh, and I know different types of people will think of certain things. Uh, and, and it's, it's you know, there there's clues that people give, give away. Um, you know, thing, things that aren't necessarily overt that I've been trained to pick up and, and look for or listen for. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, there is a difference between a psychic and a mentalist. Um, and what I do is a combination of science which gives me that confidence to really, uh, you know, put down a very specific answer. But I also use a little bit of intuition as well. So it's almost like you you blend the two. Then you're just very good at certain things that you're able to pull on as and when you need. So out of curiosity, then did you ever question what you did on me just before? Did you ever think? Is that right? Is that, can I maybe say something different? Did you question yeah. it or were you certain? That no, this one I questioned. This one I was uh, slightly unsure of. Now, there are moments where I, I have absolutely no idea and it's a real educated guess. You know, I'm taking a real stab in the dark and other times I'm more sure than I could ever be. Uh, you know, but you can never be a hundred percent sure. It's funny because if you were to think of something, but then walk away and, uh, you know, never speak to me again, I would never know if I'm right or not. I can never know what a person is truly thinking until they tell me and verify it. So you truly never know 100%. You can't, um, you know, so, so, uh, I, and I've had instances where I say something, I, I, I can remember one show. I, I had a guy come up on stage and I said, think of any word in the English language. And he did. I told him the word and I said, is that right? And he said, no. And I thought, wow, really? I was pretty sure that that's what you were thinking. Okay. And I said, well, let's try it again. Let's try a different experiment. And, you know, and, and then I, I ended on a, a good note. But after the show, his friend came up to me. He said, hey, remember the guy that told you you were wrong? Well, he came up to me after the show and he said that he lied and you actually got it right. I just wanted to let you know. And I thought that son of a, you know, so even if, you know, someone tells me I'm wrong, I might be right. Or if I'm right, they could tell me it goes both ways. Uh, but yeah, there's varying degrees of confidence when it comes to this stuff. I, I, I like to think, you know, everything I say, I'm, I'm going to be 90 something percent sure before I commit to it. But you just sometimes you just never know. I'd be really irritated if that was me. 
<laughs> well, you know, you, you at first, I think in that situation, I was, as you could imagine, but there's nothing you can do about it, you know, and, and then you just take it, process that emotion and move forward. I can just picture being like, I got it wrong. Loads of people are watching and it turned out you lied. Yeah. Outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's about right. There's, there's kind of like a, a social element to it as well, I imagine, whereby you can socially coerce people into going along with the crowds and things like that. Like when I had a chat to people that do like magic and things as well, one of them is quite funny. So I'll, I will share it. And uh, it was, in a nutshell, they did it over radio so there was no video involved that i could pay attention to so they were in the room together i was listening to the radio right so i couldn't see what was happening and they did the whole the whole thing it, they were like oh that's amazing how did you do that and everyone's listening like whoa that's really cool but it turns out they had it written down on a piece of paper what to say and they just gave it to the other person to say it you know, like when, like, if you do a magic trick and you you bring someone from the audience and maybe you've got a little sign of what to say when they go in somewhere or something like that, right? With the thing, something nobody else sees. And they, they go in and they go along with it. Now, she didn't have to, but she felt socially obligated because it had please on the sign. Like, say this, please. And she felt almost socially awkward because it had please. And it was written oh so politely to say it. So she felt like she had to. Is that something that, not something you've ever done, but is it, is it something that you tend to use, like the social element, and people have this, like, oh, I'll, I'll do it because they were nice or I'll do it because they were polite? Yeah, uh, not not really. That's not something that uh, I, I mean, I don't know who you're referring to or what they did, but just for uh, full transparency, that's that's something that's rarely done in mentalism. And I think uh, that was a very isolated and unique circumstance. You know, um, it's because you always want the especially when you're doing things over audio, you want the person who is having the experience to give a genuine reaction um, because I, I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, people, people know the difference. People can tell if someone's acting and people can tell if it's a ruse. Uh, so my job is to elicit a genuine reaction. This is live or over the radio. My, my job is to have the person, you know, that that's having that experience have a genuine experience um, because what I do, I like to consider myself personally a mental sniper. You know, I, I just read people one by one and everyone watching is, is, is freaking out. But the, it's imperative. I think it's the, the most important part of the experience is to have that genuine reaction. Now, if I were to read your mind here in this environment, um, 
you know, there's going to be a person that's going to go, oh, well, it's all rigged. And he told him to say that in advance because it's the easiest answer. It's the only explanation people can come up with. Now, you and I would know that it's not prearranged in any way. And it's Jim. It was the least prearranged thing in the world. <laughs> exactly. So we know that. So so I think the sanctity, you know, of, of that, the sanctity of having a genuine experience is such an important integral part of mentalism that it's almost uh i don't know what you want to call it almost a sin so to speak to 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 uh stomp on that and 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 you know muddy up the waters so yeah to answer your question no i don't use any type of uh things of that nature you know i i usually just try to really use a skill set to truly uh figure out what they're thinking <laughs> Well, they did break it down afterwards on how, like, some of it feels fantastic to us, but they just did it as an sort of almost like an example of once you know how it's done, the magic, so to speak, goes away. The experience is almost spoiled by knowing. So is that an integral part of it whereby because we don't know that compounds the experience, which it's almost like you're hiding an invisible secret. Yeah, it's, it's funny because the not knowing is the magic. Uh, the thing that makes magical experiences valuable and impactful in people's lives uh, in my personal opinion, it's because you're uh, you're speaking to the underlying human condition, which is we don't know everything, uh, and we try to control what we can, and we try to understand and learn as human beings. And what's that gigantic fireball that is in the sky? You know, the 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 sun. You know, what is that? Why is it there? You know, and, and the fascination with astronomy, you know, before the telescope was invented, people would look up in the sky and see the stars. And that was a source of, of awe and wonder, the, the not knowing. And I think magicians, illusionists, mentalists, hypnotists, I think uh, what they're doing is they're giving people, without saying it, they're giving people hope of something greater, that there is a, a, a mystical thing, uh, a really uh, hidden magic in the universe, you know, uh, because oftentimes if you just look at life, it could be depressing. You're born, you work and you die, you know? And, and so <laughs> if, you know, if you live life with that mentality, it can be a, quite a negative experience. So I think being able to step out of the norm and have that unknown uh, introduced into your life gives you that sense of man. There is something greater to the to the whole picture. Well, as someone that is particularly good at almost reproducing that feeling, so you're kind of reproducing the unknown for somebody else, which is great. It's amazing. You know, before I was pretty mind blown to tell you the truth because if they're in this is virtual as well that was amazing 
Their head was like, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. You're in the, the knowing almost. So how do you keep the magic going, so to speak, with your sort of pursuit of keeping the unknown, which is great for us. It's fantastic for us because we haven't got a clue. But because you know, has the magic gone for you, you yourself? And how do you keep that fire there? Uh, it's an interesting perspective and a great question. No one thinks about this. The magician is the guy producing it, but he knows the secrets. It's funny the you know, as a child, I loved magic because it was amazing. I had this, this, these amazing experiences. How did that happen? Where did that disappear to? How is it levitating? You know, I loved it so much, but now I won't say that I know everything, you know, it's a dangerous thing to say you can't be fooled. Even I can be fooled. Uh, but I know a lot. And the thing that I love, one of the things that I love the most in the world, which is magic, it's very rare for me to be able to experience again. Because if I see another magician performance, I'm looking at it from a technical aspect. And I say, oh, that was a good move. I saw him. I know what he did there. I saw that. Um, you know, I look at it from a technical aspect. Oh, that was a good, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and I know the names of the moves. I know who originated them, the year that they, you know, were first published in books. So, so it's, it's a strange thing. Uh, there are these rare circumstances where I'll see a magician or a mentalist perform something where I'm absolutely gobsmacked and blown away. Like, how did he do that? You know, after doing this the majority of my life, to have that feeling again is such a rare experience um, that when it happens, it's, 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 it's really impactful. And I love seeing, I love being amazed and fooled by uh, any one of my colleagues. If somebody says, Hey, let me show you something and they blow me away. It, it's, it's awesome. And you know, there, there's the television show fool us with Penn and Teller. And the whole concept is, you know, it's two magicians. If you're not familiar with Penn and Teller, you can look them up. They have a show in, in Las Vegas, but combined, they have over a hundred years of magic knowledge between the two of them. They've been doing it forever. They know everything. And, and so, you know, magicians go on there and, and perform in an attempt to fool them. And I, and if you do, you know, you win a nice trophy and everything, but I think, I think they enjoy that because they have the opportunity to actually be fooled and that magicians are coming in with that as a goal. So they're, they're able to relive that sense of wonder and, and magic. Um, so yeah, it, it's harder for me to experience magic than it used to be, uh, but it does still exist uh, in, in random moments. <laughs> and if I'm right in saying this, you were able to fool Penn and Teller if, if, if I'm, if I'm right I, I, I was, yes. I didn't want to say it. Uh, I didn't want it to sound like I'm being boastful, but I did. I, I went on and actually ended up fooling him, which was a, an, a big honor and a, a good milestone for me, as you can imagine. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot different performing for a magician because you know how they think. And you ha it's like playing chess and you have to be about 42 moves ahead. <laughs> Yeah, it must be must be amazing for those two though, like for Penn and Teller to sit there and go, "Wow, I have no idea how we did this." But I guess from from their perspective, part of the show is they are also trying to find out. 
Whereas a magician that's just there and just mind blown that doesn't then have to try and figure out how it must be a weird feeling to want that feeling to go away. Like they, they think they've been fooled, but their, their job is to try to get rid of the magic and figure out how it was all done. Yeah. It's interesting because magicians, if they see a performance, there's really not too much thought. I think as a, you know, the basis of what the person is doing out of the gate, you have the concept already. It would be like watching a ballroom dancer, uh, two ballroom dancers, one watching the other. They know whether it's a waltz or a cha-cha or a foxtrot or a merengue or whatever the, the dance is because they can just look at it and they see the steps. Oh, it's in a square. That's a waltz. They're doing a, a that's they can hear the, the rhythm. You just you just know you don't have to sit there and ponder for five minutes what dance they're doing. Whereas someone who doesn't have that knowledge would go, well, what dance is that? I don't know. It looks nice. They're spinning around the dance floor. So, uh, you know, it depends on how convoluted and how many psychological layers the, the illusion has. Um, but you know, some things are more difficult to figure out than others. You, you, sometimes you have to take a moment of pause and, and, and really go through the, 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 the knowledge that's stuck in the back of your brain from a, an obscure book you read many years ago and, and, and so on. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, varying degrees of difficulty. <laughs> Does it ever feel like if, if you don't manage to figure it out, does that make it more enjoyable because you've got no idea how it's been done? Or does that process take it all away anyway? So even if you didn't quite figure it out, well, the process is gone now because I've tried to. Oh, uh, no, no. The, 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 if you don't know, you don't know. And, and, it, and it leaves you in that state of, of wonder, you know, which is what we're all after. If you watch magic, you you don't you don't want to see a terrible magician where you know how he did everything, then it takes the joy away. So, <laughs> you know, so so I think, uh, uh, yeah, if it's it's black or white, you either figure it out or you don't, and uh, you know, it's a it's a simple yes or no uh, <laughs> for sure, one or the other. Is it a particular kind of magic that? you particularly find mind-blowing or not really sure fully how they do it something that you're trying to wrap your mind around <laughs> good choice of words i uh i've studied uh, all the art forms of magic uh you know everything from card slights to uh escapes sleight of hand in general a grand illusion mentalism, uh, even if you want to far reach into hypnosis. Uh, the last thing, I guess the last arena of magic that I, that I learned uh, was the art of quick change where, uh, you know, the performers would be wearing one costume and in a blink of an eye, the, their clothes would completely change. And I actually left that for many, many years as an art form that I didn't want to know how it was done. 
uh, purposefully. I didn't study it because I wanted to watch it and really just be blown away by it because I wanted to save that feeling, you know, and, and hang on to it. But I, I finally, you know, started studying it and it's amazing. You know, I know the secrets now. Um, but, but, you know, as far as something that completely blows my mind, um, oof, that's really tough. I think, again, I enjoy all of these things. Uh, it's, I, I, you know, I, it's scary to say, I, I don't think there's anything that, that really, 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 you know, takes me personally, uh, you know, into a state of shock and all completely as far as an art form in, in and of itself. Um, overall, there are particular, you know, performances that may fool me. Um, but you know, you know, I think manipulate the manipulation artists, uh, that, that, you know, will pull cards from thin air and objects and vanish. I always, I always find that interesting because the, the, the technical skill that's required to pull that off is, is extremely tough. So, you know, I, I appreciate that, uh, tremendously. What about, what about not magic? related is it anything in particular that your maybe maybe magic isn't your like sense of wonder or wow have you found that somewhere else Ooh, excellent excellent question you know i i do enjoy art as a whole and i think looking at a painting uh and 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 things of that nature that i i don't have the skill set to produce uh, is great. And, and the creation of music. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, when you sit down and you watch an excellent instrumentalist play, even if somebody picks up a guitar and plays an exceptional song using a skill set that they have, I find, I find that magical. You know, if I pick up a guitar, the sounds that will be produced are <laughs> far removed from what a professional would do. So, so I think, you know, I, I appreciate art as a whole and more so than a particular craft, it's someone who does something extremely well. Uh, it's, it's funny. I watched a video of a guy who worked in a pizza shop, and his job was to fold the boxes. They were shipped to the pizza shop flat, and he had to quickly fold them. And I watched this guy fold and create 50 pizza boxes in what seemed to be just a few seconds because he was so proficient at it. And that was the highlight and the purpose of the, 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 the video was look at this guy in his zone, you know? So anybody that just takes even the most mundane task and does it with such careless ease and proficiency, I, I, I find that to be just amazing. I love when people are in their zone and can produce things uh, that seem like magic. <laughs> So what parts of the, the quick change made you want to not learn about it to keep that all there then? So looking at the art of quick change, you know, the, the, the methodology behind it was just unknown in, an, in, you know, in, in its entirety. I had no idea. There was no barometer on what, where is the, what, what are they doing here? You know, if you see someone magically change their costume 30 times, <laughs> 
with no trace or evidence of, of extra clothes laying around, there's nothing laying on the floor, you know, the, the, and not just the color, but the style, it goes from a wedding dress to, you know, a, a long skirt to a mini skirt to, you know, so on and so forth. It was, uh, it's just visually stimulating. I think the fun part about that art form is you can watch it. You can have the show on mute, the video on mute, and still enjoy it tremendously. Um, and, and so again, having that uh, with my knowledge of magic as a whole, I can watch a magician and most of the time instantly know what he's doing. Whereas that I had no, not even an inkling of a clue. There, there was no baseline or even low level knowledge of how it was done. So, so that was it. It was just being completely mind blown overall. Uh, and and it's it, it's entertaining, you know, uh, extremely entertaining. So much so that I, I actually, uh, many years ago, I started an entertainment agency called Hoffman Entertainment. And I ended up uh, representing one of the world's greatest quick change acts, David and Danya. Um, and they performed all over the world. They performed for the Queen of England, U.S. presidents, you know, on stages that you couldn't imagine. And I, I was just so enthralled by the art form that that I uh, ended up managing their entire career because I just thought it was that special. Um, so, so yeah, it was just a particular art form that was visually stimulating and, and just really cool to watch. I've seen them use, like, sequins and lights and but i mean the the boxes is kind of like okay if i had to guess but they're using like bits of paper like dumping over each other and it changes from like a dress to like a crop top and pants or something yeah. it's like where'd you fit it where'd you and she wasn't a big woman either she was like a, quite a petite thing from what i was from what i was watching where'd you put it yeah you know like a sleeve somewhere or <laughs> it was it was completely baffling and it was to music and they were dancing and the head was just what actually made it more mind-blowing was the fact that they did it almost slowly yeah, for, and for I, being called quick like it, change. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like let's do this, then do this. It wasn't like watching a procedure. It was like watching a dance, or watching like a, a rhythmic gymnastics go slowly, gracefully, doing it all. And it made me think: if it did it any slower, we'd probably be able to figure it out. Yeah, it, but, it's uh, graceful. Yeah. 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 It's uh, with with quick change as an art form, you know, it's all about the, the dancing and the motion in addition to, you know, creating these striking visuals with the costumes changing. You know, it's not just uh, the magic. You also have to have a sense of timing and, you know, you have to have gracefulness to, to dance across the stage. And, you know, it's a it's an art form that has a lot of different moving parts happening at the same time. So you have to be quick and you have to be graceful to make it look smooth and and not not rushed. Yeah, I mean, all, all I'll say on that is the videos that I've watched of it, some of it was just, it was almost like 
no matter how long I stared at it, I just couldn't figure it out. But because they were changing reasonably quickly, it was like every time you would ask yourself, how the hell did they do that? And then they change. And then you would go, how the hell did they do that? But because you remember the previous change, it compounds, right? It's not just one trick as such. It's multiple simultaneously back and forward from basically each one is more spectacular than the last one because they've just done it. And then they're still able to keep doing it. And I'm still boggled they could change like 10 times i still would not have a clue it was completely completely baffling yeah it's a it's a it's definitely a, a, a one of those art forms that is like you said it just compounds every the next thing leads to the next thing so by the end of a performance you know in a typical quick change performance only lasts between three to five minutes you know, so uh, it just in that amount of time to be able to blow someone's mind is, is a skill set that uh, very few people have. <laughs> so how far have you gotten with it then? Have you figured out like the basics or have you got a bit sort of beyond that? Um, I Once you learn the basics, I think from there, it's just the application of it. So I have a I'd say I, I don't have a master's degree in it, but I know at least in my opinion 80% of what's going on there wow crazy it's amazing <laughs> how it's amazing how the journey's gone for you as well you know like how how everything's built on this curiosity around magic was it curiosity that that started and how you've sort of led yourself to discovering these new things yeah, you know, as a kid, uh, I uh, was always into the mysterious the aliens and the pyramids in Egypt and such. And, you know, I found a magic shop as a child and, you know, I, I would go in and look around and it just, you know, walking into a magic shop is a unique experience because you truly don't know what anything is. You're looking at all these little things and whatnots in the in the counter uh, behind the display case and you see all these books maybe on a bookshelf and you, you really don't have any clue what's inside of them or you know you don't know anything so yeah there was a you know definitely a sense of curiosity when i when i first started and then of course when you see magic you're curious on how it works uh, as as most people are so that that spawned a, you know a desire to start to learn the craft that led to you know doing it as a hobby and then people started to offer to pay me to do it, which was mind boggling in and of itself. You know, how, how someone would pay me to do something I enjoy. You know, you were, we're always told you're supposed to hate your job. You know, no, it, if you love your job, that's so, that wasn't even an option. So once people started to pay me to do it, I started to think, man, is, is this real? Can I possibly have a job as a mystery entertainer, as a magician or illusionist or a mentalist? And uh, yeah. once the, the train left the station, as they say, I never looked back. So yeah, it started as just a curiosity and then slowly and organically developed into a, a lifelong career. 
Well, you've got a lot going on from like events and a lot of different things. I mean, looking at the, the videos that you've done and the events and things that you're hosting as well. So if somebody wanted to learn more about that and find out more about you, where can they go? Uh, yeah, if you just go to my website, it has links to everything you could want. It's waynehoffman.com. And there's videos on there as well that you can watch if you're curious to see me in action. Uh, there's a link to my YouTube channel, which is, uh, you know, uh, right there on my website, waynehoffman.com. And, uh, but if you search my name, I pop up, you know, in, in YouTube uh, easily. And there's link to, uh, links to my social media uh, there as well. Uh, but if you do a Google search of Wayne Hoffman, my name, I'm easy to find. Awesome. Well, Wayne, this has been fascinating. I've learned so much. You've blown my mind. I'm probably going to remember that for a while. <laughs> I must admit that the whole number of fish thing, that's going to stick in my head for quite a while. It's been amazing to chat to you, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for the time here today and, uh, you know, best wishes for, uh, for, for the future.